It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, everybody, to Money for Lunch. It's a beautiful day here at Money for Lunch, and I'm hoping you're having a great day as well. We're going to dive right into it with the quote of the day. This is one of my favorite quotes by Winston Churchill. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Man, that to me is a great quote, especially with the world just now reopening and everybody trying to get their business up and running, get their life back into a familiar groove, if you will. All right. Well, guys, I'm excited. I have Steve Baker on the show. Steve Baker is the vice president of The Great Game of Business and co-author with Rich Armstrong of Get in the Game, How to Create a Rapid Financial Results and Lasting Courage, Cultural Change, I'm sorry, Lasting Cultural Change. This book is the how-to application of Jack's of Jack Stack's 1992 bestseller, The Great Game of Business. Baker and Armstrong co-authored the update of Stack's book in The Great Game of Business, the 20th anniversary edition. Baker is the top-rated speaker, coach, and coach on the subjects of open book management, strategy and execution, leadership, employee engagement, and so on. I think you guys are going to enjoy our guest today. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, Bert. Thanks for having me, man. It's great to be here. You bet. You bet. And uh, I think that the great game of business and uh, um, is probably – one of those books that people probably need to really look at reading, especially in this wild and crazy situation that we're in, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, Jack Stack wrote that book uh, in 1992. It was really about the origins of what now is called open book management. See, that whole concept was born in a crisis. That's why it's so apropos today, because Jack and 12 other managers way back in 83 bought a dying division of International Harvester when, think about this, unemployment was 17%, interest rates were 22%, and they they pulled off an 89 to 1 debt-to-equity buyout. Can you believe that? (laughs) So everybody in the company had to learn the business. Yeah, worst corporate buyout in American history, and Jack said, hey, everybody, I want you to learn business with me. And uh, by the way, the company, uh, what we still do to do today, except now we're 2,000 people in 10 different companies, uh, but back then it was a, about 100 people in, in one company, remanufacturing engines. Not sexy, right? But here Jack no. figured out a way, a completely different way to run a business, and that was to teach people how the business operates, how it makes money and generates cash. It's pretty amazing. It is, it is. And, and for – our listeners, if you guys want to find out more about what we're talking about or Steve Baker and his team, you can go to thegreatgame.com, greatgame.com. Yeah, so so I want to talk a little bit about open book management because 
this is a very interesting concept, and I know that a lot of people just, I guess I'll use the word, you know, run from this concept because it's a little scary. I mean, open book concept. You're gonna you're gonna open your book <laughs> to, you know, to my employees. They're gonna see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Steve, help me understand why would I ever do this craziness? No, exactly. Bert, why would you do this? You'd have to be crazy to, to open things up to people. The thing is, that's exactly right. I mean, since the 1980s, when Jack started this whole movement, that everybody thought of him as a heretic. You know, you can't do that. It's command and control all the way. Well, nowadays, think about just a few months ago, we were all dying to find good talent. Just a few short months ago. And now we're like, holy crap, what do I do with them? In a few more months, we'll be going, where's all the good people? What if we actually asked people to, to, it's not just about throwing the books open, let's put it that way, because open book management is a bit of a misnomer. It assumes that, first of all, that people come to us with some sort of financial knowledge, and we know by our consumer debt in the U.S., we are a nation of financial illiterates. We've got to teach them. Businesses are not only the backbone of the economy, but also the new teachers. We have got to teach people. Yes. So open book infers that we're going to teach people how money works, how the business makes money and generates cash. We'll ask them to hold one another accountable for results, and then we'll give them a piece of the action. And owners have nothing to fear because no matter what they think their employees believe, uh, let's just put it this way. Bert, I bet that almost anyone listening right now could say, well, I don't want them to know what I make. Well, the thing is, it's probably far less than they think you make already. <laughs> right, Not a lot right. to be scared of. It's hard to make money in well, business. We know this. And, and here's the other thing that a lot of employees don't understand. Not only is it hard to make business, and I like, I like the assumption that you brought up, that people assume that, we're, that you're getting paid more, that you're making more, that it's easier than it looks. How many of us started a business because – the guy or the girl that we work for was too dumb to work for anymore. I could do a better job than this person. And then, of course, you know, you open the door, you start your business, and you realize, oh, my heck, how, you know, what have I done? How, how did these people ever make money? This is ridiculously hard. <laughs> it is. In the U.S., I did a little research so that I could give your listeners some, uh, some tangible stuff to look at. The, the median net income, the median net profit of a business across 212 industries in the U.S. is six and a half cents on a dollar. So I went a little further and I said, what does the average employee in the U.S. think the average company makes? 36 cents on a dollar. So a huge gap between perception and reality. And so all we do is we say, look, it's not about sharing salary information. We don't do that. Open book does not mean – yes, it's represented – Right, It's grouped together, salaries, maybe salaries and benefits. But what we're trying to teach people is how business works. It doesn't have to be an elite sport that's mystical and powerful and you know, us lowly people cannot learn or understand it. No, we can learn it. We can understand it. And the fact is when you first show people how hard it is to make money, the first thing they usually do is go, A, why do you get up in the morning because <laughs> it's so hard? Yeah. B, uh, what can I do to help? I'm telling you, man, it's right. true. People – are basically good. They want to do the best thing they can do. They just have zero understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. We're looking at different goals, and that's a problem. Yeah, yep, I love it, I love it. All right, I want to talk about something um, that, um, that you teach, and that is 
mini games. What the heck are mini games and how do you use mini games to create a culture of winning? Well, I'll tell you what, let's start with the idea of the big, great game of business. We, Bert, you and I just scared the crap out of thousands of people because we said, hey, teach your people business and open the book. Right now is probably the time when most people would be most fearful because they're, they're afraid their people will run for the hills if they knew how dire the situation might be. Or in right. some cases, in essential businesses, they might be double their, uh, their productivity right now because they're trying to keep up with demand. Either way, it's a problem. And so the idea of completely changing their business model and, and teaching people business and all this, it sounds too big. So mini games are just a miniature version of the great game of business that we do in about 60 to 90 days. So a good idea, a good example of this would be right now for companies that are really having to um, deal with the fact that maybe they've had to shut down or they've got uh, maybe it's a restaurant and they have only drive through and, and takeout and they're, they're down 30, 40, 50 percent, they may be looking to cut costs. So you could put right. a mini game on cutting costs. Um, another group, uh, in fact, I've, I've got a caterer in Chicago that uh, is just amazing. Imagine catering just boom, disappeared, right? Everybody cut it out of their budget, and the state right. of Illinois just said, all right, you're done. So our guys, Tasty Catering, I just love the way they think. Um, they said eight of their, their uh, competitors just shut down, laid everybody off, done. These guys, Tasty Catering, they're open book. So what they did is they've been teaching their people business for years. Their people came to them and said, can we do some other things? So mini games allowed them to think of in the next 60 to 90 days, how do we find new revenue? So one group of people went and looked for new revenue streams. The other one went and looked for cost cutting. And let me tell you about the revenue generating that can happen. So imagine the state tells you you can't do business anymore like you used to you have to be pretty darn creative so these guys actually went out they i've already heard stories about truck drivers uh, going around because they're not making deliveries right and they went around right. town and they just formed a grid section and they said what parking lots are full i'm going to go there i'm going to make sure that we know who they are and then we're going to get them some information we're going to create co no contact food individual meals because the people that are essential and working, now we know who they are because they're the only parking lots that are full. I mean, that's pretty creative stuff, and it's generating tens of thousands of additional dollars in revenue that they didn't have before. Um, so that's one example. I mean, there are many, but many games basically have the same elements that any game do, right? You've got to teach people the game they're in, so they've got to know the rules of the game. It's follow the action and keep score. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it, and you know how it is in, in any game. If you aren't keeping score, it's just practice, and finally a stake in the sure. outcome. So anybody playing a minigame is actually increasing revenue or decreasing expenses, and so they're generating more profit. So it's a self-funding incentive plan. It's very simple, and, and uh, if we cover this in the new book, Get in the Game, because we're trying to get people in the game as fast as possible, and minigames are a great way to do it. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that idea. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of something that Google does to keep them, you know, fresh and innovative. And they allow, uh, I think it's up to 20% of their employees to spend or invest their time in whatever projects they want. And mm -hmm. then they present the results to uh, Google management and Google management make, take that, game on to use your vernacular they may say hey that's a great let's 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 spend some more time on it let's 
you know, what is it going to take to, to, to fund the proof of concept? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Google, Google, one of the things I respect about Google is that they're not afraid to fail. I mean, they have, so far that I know of, they have two social media endeavors have, that have failed colossally, right? And sure. they, failed, they failed so much, I can't even remember what their names are. I think it was one of them, like Google Circles, and, and they just shut mm-hmm. it down just recently, uh, Google Pages or whatever it was called. And, and, but it was up and running for four or five years. They had another one uh, where uh, Google Help was a kind of a directory where if you are a person who teaches lessons or has an online course or anything, you could, you could upload this information to Google Helps, and mm-hmm. people would pay you for – Hey, guitar lessons via you know video or stuff like that, and and that ran for a couple of two or three years, and then they shut it down. My point being is they're not afraid to fail. They're not afraid to let their people experiment and come up with ideas and kick them around a little bit. Yeah, I think that's cool. I mean, it, it, you've got to be able to fail fast and fail cheap, is what a lot of people are saying these days. But you know, the, sure, the thing you just brought up made me think of 3M. These guys have been around for what a hundred years. And they have yep. consistently asked their people to put 20% of their time into uh, pet projects, new endeavors, new ideas. And that's you know, where we get the things like Velcro and Post-it notes and command strips and just crazy stuff. Here's the thing I would encourage people to think about, because right now I bet there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are going, Gosh, I don't have the time to think about that. I'm too busy or I'm too slow. Right? <laughs> I've got a bigger right, to right. But this is the perfect time to be saying, let's tap the intellectual capacity of our people. So ask them, just, I mean, we ought to teach them about business, of course, and it, it doesn't take long for them to understand it. Anyone can learn this. It is not smoke and mirrors. It is, uh, it, it, look, whether it's Google or 3M or Apple or whomever, um, what's, what's interesting is all of us humans, our, us mortals are out here going, okay, what are they doing? So let's take Google as an example. And a real popular thing right now is OKRs, so objectives and key results. And uh, to put it into other terms, you've heard of KPIs, you know, key performance indicators, sure. metrics, measures. We need those things. But here's the deal is everybody, all the gurus from, again, decades ago to today, they're basically giving you new tools to do business the old way. So if you're going to be innovative, like a 3M or a Google, here's the thing that some of them miss, and I think they could really elevate the whole conversation. That would be, what if you ask people to come in and not only give the ideas, but say, what's the business case for it? You know, what is the financial impact of that? And I just, I just think that's my passion. And here's, Bert, something that you probably didn't count on. I actually have an art degree. (laughs) I write business books. I run around the world teaching business, talking about open book management, you know, coaching companies. I got a degree in art. Dude, if I can learn it, anyone can learn it. I'm telling you, I wish I would have learned it a lot earlier than I did because this has changed my life. And it is our mission, our big, big, hairy, audacious goal is to transform 10 million lives in the next 10 years. And we've been doing this a long time. We just think it's the time is now. People are starting to go, oh, we probably need to know this. And by the way, all your next gen workers, they expect it. They expect transparency. They want to be a part of something bigger than just products and services. It's a big deal. The company is the product. 
Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And so I want, I want to – you hit on a very, I think, touchy subject about the time constraints that we all have or we all think we have. So I want to dive into this a little bit deeper. Do you think that many games take time out out of the employee's day? Well, in my opinion, I think – yes, I'll, I'll just flat out answer it. Sure, because you're going to have to create it. Then you're going to have to create scoreboards and measures. You're going to have to teach people, right? It's a team-based deal. But what you put into it is an investment because what you get out of it, sure, you get the rapid financial results. You also get that cultural change because you've not only affected a change in a system of process or behavior, but you've taught someone a piece of the business. So the people, the truck drivers running around looking for things, they're not thinking about, um, well, this guy better pay me because uh, – you know, I'm, I'm driving this truck around. He's going, how can I help the business move forward? Because they know, in fact, at companies like Tasty Catering, they have a bonus based upon the success of the business. So we're all in the same game, the CEO and the truck driver, not just, uh, you know, the management and the top leadership. So does it take time to implement and work on a mini game? Sure, it does. But I'm telling you, you're probably going to get about a 10 to 18% return on that investment um, just in the first 90 days. It's incredible. And then for the owner of the business, I will tell you, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and in the process, you know this, Bert, when you work with business owners, you're, you're half business coach and half marriage counselor. You know, you're trying to help people yes. figure this out. What if they didn't have to carry all this weight by themselves? Talk about saving time. What if you didn't have to worry about every detail because your people were and they were engaged around it and they were solving the problems? We have that that mantra that people support what they help create. If they create the mini game, you just coach them and help them along, man, you're going to save time. You're going to save money and you're going to make money. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, I, I want to run this past you. I could just see somebody who, let's say they're a professional. I'm thinking doctors, lawyers, possibly a CPA, uh, maybe some architects out there who are saying, hey, I'm a professional. I don't want to trivialize my business by calling it a game. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I went to law school. I went to, you know, uh, surgical school. I'm an important business. Steve, I, I, don't, I don't want to trivialize it. What's your, what's your response to that? No, first of all, I get it. I'm an artist, dude. Don't tell me. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> tell me I have to be a business person, right? That's that was my reaction, you know. And and right. this was years and years ago when I first discovered it. It was like, uh, you want me to learn the financials? You can go, you know, jump up a pole or something. But the whole thing comes down to this: is that it's the secret language, and we're not trying to trivialize anyone's business. Or what we're trying to do is demystify the business part of it. So if you're a surgeon. I want you to be a healer. If you're an, a lawyer, I want you to be the best advocate for me legally possible. Here's the thing. For everyone who's helping to run the business, they're actually creating the numbers in the business anyway, right? So for a right. doctor or a, an attorney, or, or let's take an architect as a really good example, um, it's not just the craft that we're really dealing with here, is it? I mean, I, I personally know a number of architects and quite a few doctors that really just kind of shun the business side and, and delegate that to a, a business manager or, uh, or maybe they might even farm it out uh, to a, right. an interim uh, or part-time CFO or something just to run that part. I just want to do what I do because I'm a great technician at this thing. They're, they're tremendous at it. 
So the, the thing is, we're not trying to attack that. We're trying to say, hey, guess what? We are all subject to one thing, doctor, lawyer, artist, anybody, and it's the financial statements. And I'm telling you, it is astounding and infuriating for me to talk about it because if someone would have taught me that all the secrets of business were created in 1494 when Luca Pazzioli, the father of modern accounting, created the income statement and the balance sheet as we know them today, and they haven't changed in 500 years. I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. Everybody is subject to these things in every country, every language. It's all the same. This is the universal language, and we aren't teaching our children. Dude, I am teaching my kids this stuff as fast as I can because they cannot go into the world without this secret knowledge, this secret language. That's what we're trying to teach people. So, uh, doctor, keep working on me. I, I need you. Lawyer, keep representing me, right? Uh, CPA, right. keep me out of IRS jail. <laughs> I want you to do all your <laughs> stuff. But, but all I do is encourage you to why not engage people at a different level, and that is all the things that we do turn into money, and the great game of business teaches people how that works, and it just makes it approachable. So to really answer your question, Bert, don't call it a mini game. Call it a 90-day challenge, a 90-day mission, something manly and amazing, whatever whatever. <laughs> I don't care what you name it. Something manly, Do yes. It. Yeah, yeah, baby, yeah. Well, you know what? And while I was listening to you, I also had this thought about ego is the enemy. And so mm. if you are – if you're too much of – if your ego is telling you, hey, this sounds like it's unprofessional, it's beneath me. It's unbecoming, then you know maybe it's your ego, and and you really need to look at that because one of the things I've learned that if you're one of those individuals that is isn't even going to try something new because uh, because of your ego, right? Uh, because it's uh, mm-hmm. you know you're a doctor, a lawyer, you're you know you have. Uh, you know, 600 degrees from all the Ivy League schools, whatever, then maybe mm-hmm. the reason that you're struggling in business has nothing to do with, you know, with the business. Maybe it has to do with something a little bit deeper. And I think that what I like about what you're teaching is, uh, is really about engagement. And, and we know that the more our employees are engaged, the better uh, employees they are, number one, and, and the company has better numbers. Uh, and people want to come to work at a place that is fun and engaging. They don't want to go to a place that's dark and dreary. So I think that if no. you're too, I think if you're too egotistical or too stuck up to to try to have fun and engagement with your business, then I, I'm just going to go out on, on a limb here and say you're probably going to continue to have in, uh, what do you call it engagement and turnover issues, right? Because Oh, you know, absolutely. life, absolutely. business and life are supposed to be fun. And I think if we can make it fun, you know, you look at school. Why are we having such bad numbers at school? Because it's no longer fun and engaging. No, it's not. And we're teaching to the middle. We don't even look at people individually in schools. So what do we do in business? I think some of the most successful companies, and you can bring up an Apple or a Google or whatever, they do pay attention to the individual. They try to bake it into the culture. So let's go to small and mid-sized business. We have an, I think we have a responsibility to do that. We, we really, if we hire someone, so uh, our company, The Great Game of Business, we're one of 10 companies under the SRC umbrella. That's Jack Stack's original company, and he's still our working CEO of, all, of, the, of the holding corporation. Now, he says, 
If you hire someone, assume you're hiring them for life. Now, that is a philosophy I'd like to hear a lot of people adopt because then you're looking at the whole person. You're not just looking at hands. You're looking at head, heart, hands, the whole package. I mean, the real thing comes down to – so Jack just wrote a new book, if I could share that with you too. Sure. um, It's called Change the Game. So ours is Get in the Game. It's the how-to. His is Change the Game, trying to encourage people to look at the business models that they use and saying this is not about people at all. You're just trying to enrich a few rather than the many. Uh, The subtitle is what's powerful, though. I think that that your listeners will really appreciate it. So it's Change the Game, Saving the American Dream by Closing the Gap Between the Haves and the Have-Nots. I love that. And and the way he's closing the gap is using this process of teaching people that secret language of business, right, those financial statements. If people start to understand them, they make completely different decisions. Plus, if they do better at work, if they learn, learn money at work, they'll take it home. And we've seen it firsthand, people that are becoming debt-free and people that are applying this at their churches and with their soccer leagues and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. We have a guy in Texas. I don't know if you've heard of HEB, but it's the biggest grocery store chain in Texas, about 100,000 people. been working with them for yeah. a few years. Uh, I was at an event uh, a few months ago. And a guy comes up to us, and he's the mayor of a tiny little town in Texas. And I'm sorry I don't remember the name of the town. He's the mayor. I mean, we're talking tiny. He said, we were on the brink of bankruptcy when I came into office. We applied these principles, and now we're set up. You've got a five-year cash reserve. I mean, he's like, that is life-changing. So I'm just yes, saying, man, we, we've got to do this. You know, we, to really save that American dream, we've got to do it. People business. Yeah, I love that. I love that, and and and, and I'm glad you gave that uh, that that case uh, case study because it just goes to show you, you know, you don't have to be in a in a conventional business. I mean, government is business, no. and you know that most of the time government is running at a massive deficit, and we, we've we've had multiple cities declare bankruptcy. So yep. I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, I love HEB. HEB is one of those. I grew up in Houston, Texas, so I'm very familiar with HEB and. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's Harold E. Butts is what it stands for. It used to stand. I can't remember. Yep. But, uh, yeah, yep. it's been around and forever. And it's still in the Butt family, and, yeah. That's yes. cool. That's very cool. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. When it comes to these mini games, or I love the way you came up with a 90-day challenge or whatever, are there situations <laughs> in which a mini game or a 90-day challenge would not be effective? Yeah, so I want you to think about it this way. After, you know, my 15 years at uh, the Great Game of Business, and it's been around since 92, right? So it's been around a lot longer than me. Um, We've seen thousands upon thousands of mini games, and the failures that we have seen have been basically from two schools. One was it was imposed upon people, meaning people weren't Mm. involved in creating it. So people support what they help create, throw that right out the window. You're probably looking at a failure or underperformance there. Um, the other one is that uh, basically it was designed wrong. And so in our book, we give very 10 simple steps and a template and all kinds of tools. All the tools are free on our website um, that backs up the book. The bottom line is design them right. Let people create the games they're going to be playing. Let them be involved in the goal setting, the whole thing. And then the third thing, the only other time we've seen failures in mini games other than design or them being imposed upon people, and that is uh, what I would call the black swan, right? So in 08, 09, we, had, we saw it. 
because of the Great Recession and the economic right. implosion that we had. And then right now with the pandemic, who in the world would have believed we'd shut down schools? I mean, <laughs> that's one example. I mean, this whole thing is crazy. So we've had a lot of practitioners who, who called us and said, guys, can we pause our mini game? And we said, you know what, in this situation, yes. But I would immediately ask your people, what mini games can we play to mitigate the damage that we might see or to keep up with demand? So we have some essential businesses in the SRC uh, organization because um, we have, you know, some that serve the uh, supply chain and we got, you know, defense and agriculture and things like that. So essential businesses, well, they're going gangbusters. You can play mini games to make sure you keep morale and productivity up, watch for waste and scrap and things like that. So, yes, uh, you, you can see a downside of mini games, but it's usually because we did it wrong. <laughs> we pushed it down the throats of our people, or in this case, a pandemic, uh, a black swan, and then the quickest thing to do is put that one on pause and then start a new one, promising that we'll come back to the other one when things come back to normal. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I think it's great. Uh, the book, again, is The Great Game of Business. Uh, we're going to put a link here in the show notes. The game, it's available there at uh, Amazon, or you can go to greatgame.com. Greatgame.com, as Steve said, uh, not, only, not only can you find uh, the book there, but you can find resources. Uh, you can find the, uh, what is it, 10? Was it 10 uh, free tips? 10, what did you call them? Yeah, 10 steps, yeah. Ten steps. The ten steps are there, and uh, and so you can access them there as well. Um, yep. Steve Baker, I want to say thank you so much for stopping by. I, I I sincerely would like to have you back again and, and do a deeper dive because I think that this idea of having a ninety day challenge or having a ninety day mini game is something that is worth exploring and and getting people to uh, open their eyes to what it can do for their business. I would love that and. We have so many examples from every industry you can imagine. We could talk about this as long as you want. But the main thing is we're just trying to help people learn something that maybe hasn't been available to them that will help them at work, at home, and in the community. Let's just close that gap. I love it. I love it. Steve Baker, thank you so much for stopping by today. Thanks, Bert. All righty. Good stuff there from Steve Baker. Greatgame.com. Greatgame.com. You know, to me, this sounds like the answer for those employees that are not engaged. It's also, I think, a great way to root out high performers from low performers, right? The idea of having kind of a brain trust. You know, if, it's, if you have two or three people in your group, you can literally create a brain trust and get new ideas. And this is where innovation comes from. And later on, if, if you're having, you know, 20, 30, 40, 100 people in your business, could you see how this could be really uh, kind of a silver bullet, an ongoing thing? Anyway, my friends, it's always good to have you here. Uh, truly appreciate your support, uh, the ongoing support. And um, as always, my friends, let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help as many people understand the secrets of being in business, understand some of these financial numbers, understand how they can contribute and be more engaged and have more fun. And remember, you 
were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 